this episode of the Danger Dome Podcast. We have a three-act variety show that sort of uh, blends together the uh, Ask the Bicycle Doctor, the Bike Black Ribbon Radio Hour, all wrapped together with Gnome Danger Gnome Duct Tape. I wonder if there's Gnome Tape. Uh, so... In this show, I chat with Jeff Davis. He's a reader and a contributor about gear recommendations for uh, his upcoming ride a Fondo at the Stanley Winterfest in beautiful Stanley, Idaho. And we talked to Eric Olson. He's the general manager of Portland Design Works. We talked to him about the legend behind the uh, mud shovel fat bike fender with the Dave Gray signature on there. Um, Eric is the general manager of Portland Design Works. Um, so we, and then, then in uh, sort of Gnome Fest after hours, uh, very uh, <laughs> leaning towards the Black Ribbon Radio Hour, uh, maybe not safe for work kind of <laughs> verbiage, we have our fat bastard to Alaska and the Yukon Territories, Mr. Travis Hubbard. Travis shares his initial thoughts about his new Akio Corvus cycles. And, uh, of course, we both get into the weeds and talk about all kinds of crap. So that's after this message from the official rack of the Danger Gnome podcast. The official rack of the Danger Gnome podcast is 1UP USA. All What Up USA products are designed and built with one goal in mind. What's that? To make your cycling life better. One Up everyone, put your bike on a One Up. It's the Danger Dome Podcast. It's Tio Gomez, and I've got Jeff Davis on the line here. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks, Gomez. Good to be here. So, hey, Jeff is going to do this 40K. Is it a race, or is it a ride, or... What are, we, what are we talking about? Well, technically it's a ride, but I've always felt like if you put more than two guys on a starting line for anything, it turns into a race. All right. There you go. And it's in Stanley, Idaho, which is, oh, I've ridden all over the country. <laughs> that is my favorite place. Beautiful place. Like hot springs all over, sprinkled all over, just beautiful open range mountain country. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere, Idaho, I think a lot of people call it. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's beautiful up there. Salmon River runs through town and mountains. And yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I bet you there's no cell coverage there. <laughs> but uh, I digress. So and you asked me for recommendations on, on what you might carry with you because it's a little colder than you're used to and it's a little longer duration i i should have looked up how long 40k is in miles before we started recording but it's 40k so what is that 24 24 miles 24 miles so you can conceivably do that in four hours question what do you think your time is going to be I think that's the goal, right? I've been uh, riding. So I live in Boise and just outside of town is Bogus Basin ski area. And they have some Nordic trails that are pretty well groomed. And um, the past few times I've been up there, I've put in about 10 miles each time. And I'm averaging about six miles an hour. There you go. So, okay. yeah. Makes like, sense. 
four, yeah, four hours seems doable. Um, so yeah. So I would say the first concern on gearing yourself up I, and your bike is kind of a given. We're going to like leave the salsa black burrow mid tail as your bike. We talked about right. like maybe putting some Van Helga's on that thing. However, let's start with, with like head, hands and feet, mm-hmm. you know, boots are going to be really important. Are you a, are you a diehard clipless pedal guy or are you amenable to platform pedals? Oh, totally amenable to platform pedals. In fact, right now on that bike, when I'm running in the snow or, or something that isn't just sort of hard pack single track, I got a pair of big platform pedals. And when it's pulled out, the boots I have right now, or, you know, I have reasonable insulation along with some wool socks that, um, you know, I've ridden down to 14 degrees with this particular setup and it mm-hmm. seems to do pretty well. My hope is that the temperatures don't get much colder than that for very long at the beginning of the race, at least. Right. Right. Yeah. Single um, digits and down to negative, uh, at the average two to 600 gram of insulation, 10 inch high winter, winter boot is only going to keep you, your feet warm for two hours. But then as long as you're moving and is, and you're willing to get off and push a little bit and wiggle your toes and do all the tricks to keep your feet at a like a tolerably cold level. Four hours, you're going to be fine, right? Should right in your extra bag of stuff to bring, uh, you know, an extra pair of dry socks would be because if you had to bivy up, then you know, dry socks, your dry base layers, a good thing to have. Um, so that's that's your feet. Your hands, do you have pogies? I do. And pogies, for me at least, have been one of those sort of unicorn type of things. I, I haven't tried a lot of them, but I've, I've, I've looked at a lot, either in person or online. What I ended up getting was some neoprene pogies. I think they're three millimeters. Uh-huh. The, the, the neoprene is three millimeters thick. And they seem to do the job. The downside is neoprene doesn't breathe very well. And so depending on your, your pogey glove, situation your hands can get sweaty yeah i like wool gloves i like filson wool gloves they're a medium weight glove and i wear them inside of uh two different le- levels of pokey but i'm not expecting you the the neoprene ones will get you there and do the job and the wool will give you enough breathable insulation and then what i like to also do is take a wool pair of mittens that I can wear over the wool Filson gloves and put those inside the pogies. Um, maybe with whatever energy food that like, if I'm going to have a bar, I'm going to put it in my pogie to try and keep it somewhat warm or stuff it inside my clothing. Um, right on. That's a good, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I guess, right. So I guess I had thought about how am I going to keep my energy food edible? but I hadn't thought about sticking it in the pogies. That's a good idea. Thanks. No problem. So that's your hands. Um, and having in your bag again, an extra backup. I'd even bring another pair of gloves, liner gloves to wear inside those mittens in case again, that you get really sweat, sweated up and you want something dry. Cause it's like instant warmth when you put on something dry, when you're uh, right. when you've stopped and chilled after like a big effort or a continuous effort. So, and then your head, 
you know i i this year have uh really switched over to gore-tex infinium as as a windproof breathable layer not waterproof but i have a couple of caps that i can wear underneath a standard helmet and it really does well down to that 20 degree mark so uh what do you wear on your head wool cap or what kind of helmet actually uh it's, it's interesting that you say you wear the gore-tex infinium so the what i currently wear right now is an older version so infinium is the trade name for a lot of their wind stopper stuff but what I have is a wind stopper beanie mm-hmm. uh, that has the little slits in the side. So if you wear sunglasses oh, or in my case, you know, spectacles, you can, it, you don't end up sort of pulling the material away from your ears. It just slides right through those little slits yeah. and it stays close to your ears. And, and that's what I run. Um, and I'm with you. I feel like that has been a great, uh, you know, keep the head warm down to, the 20 degree mark and maybe even the 15 degree mark, um, you know, it's depending on whether you run, you're a person that runs hot or cold, but yeah, I've liked it a lot. In fact, I've, I've had mine for geez, five years now. I've I just ordered another one because I feel like the one that I have is probably close to its expiration date, but I had to go to a fishing company to find a beanie that would fit under a helmet that was made from infinium and Goreware mm-hmm. kind of, made me a convert to that substrate. I have a couple of jackets that it's a unique substrate that is a hundred percent windproof and breathable to the point where under effort, I never feel hot. I never feel it's like a, a real coolish balance between warm and cool and comfortable. It's right. the oddest thing. It's like, well, you just feel like, you're completely comfortable. If you stop though, you have to put on a puffy or something to keep yourself warm, but then you get going again and it just keeps you pretty, pretty good and vents like crazy. So, uh, so that kind of covers the mid layer of what, what I wear. I wear soft shell pants by Bontrager and also a six, eight, six specialized pair of bibs that, uh, are really nice. These newer fabrics that have come out in the last, I would say seven or eight years have notably improved the breathability of your, uh, mid and outer layers. So if you have it, if you have an old 12 year old Gore-Tex jacket and you think that you have the breathability that, uh, that I'm talking about, try one of these new jackets and you'll be like, wow, I feel Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's interesting that you bring that up because for a while I was as a base layer, I would either run like a cool weather long sleeve Jersey. Um, I I think I've got a couple from Pearl Izumi that do okay. Um, and then, uh, either that or I run like a, a wool long sleeve, uh, not, not a heavyweight, but sort of a midweight wool long sleeve. And then on top of that, I had a gore where, um, like a rain jacket, mm-hmm. which doesn't breathe. And, and it's relatively old, five or six years old. And it, you're right. It, it, even just five or six years ago, what that particular piece of uh, shell wear, if you will, doesn't breathe the way I would like it to. And so it's pretty easy to overheat. Um, but I, I did just 
just yesterday in the mail um, got a new Goreware Infinium sort of a midweight jacket. Like oh, nice. they have thermo, yeah, they have thermo versions, and then they have thinner versions. And uh, I ended up getting sort of a midweight. Uh, it's called the Phantom. Yeah, and I, you I know exactly you- the jacket you're talking about because that was the that was the garment that yeah turned me into an Infinium seeker of other things made from infinium i have gloves i have i have socks made from infinium uh, from goreware oh right on that uh i'm still in the still in the testing phase of of the socks so um, interesting i'm a convert though yeah so i have yet to ride with that jackie yet but i'm going to give it a try um this weekend uh so i'm hoping it performs the way that i think it will so. yeah goreware goreware men's <laughs> Men's cycling lingerie. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it's, exactly right. That, that stuff is form fitting. If you want to look like it, a superhero, yeah. this is well, right? For for context for the listeners, right? I'm six foot two, two hundred pounds. So uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a big guy, but I'm not like whatever. I'm not overweight by a stretch of the imagination. I got a double XL, and it it is it's a slim fit piece, and it is tight in the yeah in the pit areas so right um, but in it, fact i think ev- everything i have that score wears double xl so and you know i'm i'm not a double xl guy <laughs> i'm like a large tall yeah 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 then they just expanded their sizing um yep just in did. this season so i'm just saying yep. you got, if you got the beer gut the gore wear might not work out well for you you can still seek out those the the new substrates though uh, you know, Infinium is made by other, is used in other companies. So other companies, right. garments, etc. So, and do you wear a helmet or are you going to be required to wear a helmet on this ride? Is it? I don't know. I don't know if a helmet is required, but I generally do. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I do think you rock a, habit. a winter helmet or do you, do you just nope. wear your standard mountain bike helmet? just my standard helmet. Although I was thinking there's a shop here in town that sells, and now I forget the name of it, but, uh, the, the helmet brand is kind of modular. So you've got like the uh, standard, yeah, you know, just, top I've, of the head. Yeah. I've recently seen yeah, that. Yeah. Top that. of the head helmet. And you can put the, the, the full face, you know, attached on and then the, the, the goggles that all fits nice and neat together. But, um, and then what kind of, I do, do you, uh, do you balaclava? Ahead. Do you, uh, wind gear? Do you net gator? Do you, uh, put what yeah, kind net of, gator. All, all of the accessories? I, I like the net gator and bandana. And bandana. And bandana, because that bandana kind of becomes the, once you breathe enough of your breath into it, it freezes and becomes mm-hmm. kind of just a, a windbreak. And then you can adjust the lycra uh, neck gator up and down or, or a wool neck gator. And we haven't really talked about base layers and what, what I no. like, like next to the skin is for the, for a four hour ride, man, I'd want wool head to toe, you know, the gore winter tights, but then a wool base layer. And I'd, I'd wear my yak wool Jersey, probably long sleeve. And then, Yes, it's it's a you know before I actually really started looking into what should I wear specifically for this ride, I was kind of kludging together different stuff that I had in my closet because I 
I do, I'm a hunter as well. Right. And so there are a lot of companies, like you said, that use the same materials right? just for different purposes. And so I had like hunting based layers that were, some of them were infinium, some of them were, uh, you know, like a wool blend. And so for the most part that worked. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think I'll probably stick to something similar, uh, but maybe a, a bit more specifically purposed for fat bike riding in the snow instead of you know, sitting in a duck blind. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, four hour ride, some chamois butter <laughs> right from the start would be a good idea, bro. Yeah, you know, just saying. Yep. Yeah, again, it's interesting though that I and again, you're making me think about it in ways that I hadn't before, right? Um, like I thought about, you know, four hours, 24 miles is sort of where my head was at. And, and from a, from a mileage perspective, I think a lot of people who have ridden bikes or, or for any reasonable distance, it's like 24 miles doesn't seem like that long. Like I can rip out 24 miles and then, but it's, you it's get six into, miles oh an man. Hour. <laughs> right. And then you think, oh man, it's six miles an hour. Yeah. That's a lot of pedal strokes. That's a lot of time in the saddle. Like if you, so like maybe the, the analog on a road bike, right. would be like a hundred mile year. If you've ever done a century, you almost have to, I feel now that you say it that way, I feel like you almost have to prepare the same way. You know, 24 miles on a fat bike is almost the same as preparing for a century on a road bike. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same amount of, of time at the same amount of effort. I mean, <laughs> some racer guys are going to be out there and say, Oh, I'm, I'm going to go 10 miles an hour, you know, even on single track is like, okay. But I'm talking yeah. like just the average person's gonna be in that six miles, six to eight mile an hour area for for going riding in the mountains in snow, right? So at least that's, well, yeah, that's and what it's, I do. It's at sixty five hundred to seven thousand feet too. So if you're not used to riding at elevation, that's gonna affect you as well. But you're you're training in Flagstaff, right? <laughs> no. I, I, yes no. and no. Yes and no. Um yeah, I, I just moved to Boise three months ago. And so while I was riding and training at 7,000 feet when I lived in Flagstaff uh, about three months ago, now I'm training at Boise sits at 2,800 feet, although Bogus Basin, the ski resort's 6,000. So it's not, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's not doing too bad. Right. All right. So that's head, hands, and feet. Uh, and we even talked a bit about base layers. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do you want to discuss the tire situation on your uh, on your black barrel? Sure. Stock tires were the three point eight inch minion DH, you know DHR and DHF, right? That's what came on at stock. Right, right, right. And that's and that's all I've ever ran. Whether I'm doing a hard pack single track or, uh, you know, fresh powder or and and I've never actually ridden um, green trails until. Uh, last month when I did my first groom trail ride up at the ski resort here in Boise. Mm -hmm. um, but when I did that, I thought, well, this is what the conditions on the groom trails here in Boise. I said, if this is what the conditions are going to be like in Stanley. And I'm told that they groom the trail with the course, if you will, right. The night before, mm -hmm. I, I think the three point eights are going to work. Now, are, are they going to work as good as some other tires that I could put on there? I, I don't know. Right. That's, where I'm leaning on folks who have more experience with, with other tires than the minions that I have. But in, in my case, they seem to work. I just don't know if they're going to work how much better, how much worse than any other tire I could throw on there. Yeah. And it's 27.5 wheel size. So you have that yeah, to take correct. into consideration. Uh, 
I, the 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 overall favorite. I I think the best overall tire, non-studded, is the Van Helga, the forty-five North Van Helga. Um, so that's what I would that's what I would put on there. <laughs> yeah, um, well, and you and I have talked about this a little bit. Yeah. At this point, it's availability, right? Um, right. You know, for yeah. A town the size of Boise, which is, you know, the Met- Boise metro area is about a million people and lots of people ride around here and I can't find that tire anywhere. And it, it could just be the the lack of fat bike popularity here in Boise that nobody carries the the gear, the tires, you know, sure. anything for that yeah. kind of activity. Well, yeah. you're just going to run the tire, run what you brung. I just think a little more, a little more size, you know, there's grooming and then there's, you know, they've run over it a bunch with a snow machine, which is just a rougher and maybe they're towing like a couple of spare tires behind them. Um, you know, and then there's the kind of grooming that they do, uh, up in Shawamigan or over in Marquette, Michigan, where it's like, it's, it's corduroy and really rock hard. Um, so, you know, those, those minions are going to do great in, in groomed trails. Um, it's just, yep. man, the, the midtail too is like, if you, if you don't have a bunch of weight oh, further back on that bike and you're going to have some stuff packed, right? Cause we haven't talked about like the extra stuff that you need to bring. Um, right. But so are you going to put, put that weight then back over that rear tire? Or do you have a frame bag that you're going to carry some stuff in? Or Yeah, that mid-tail right now, as it's set up in the garage, doesn't have the rack that mm-hmm. comes with that bike mm-hmm. on it. And that rack, I think I weighed it at just under four pounds. Yeah. So I will probably, probably put, the, put, the, put the rack back on. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, and then you can traction. just use whatever saddlebags that you want on there or whatever trunk or... Etc. Dry bags you can strap yeah, I, strap onto that rack. It's quite right now. The rack is fitted with a couple of because it'll hold two standard sets of panniers. And right now it's got uh, the Ortlieb. Um, oh, nice! The dry bag ones. Those are nice. Yeah, Ortlieb the the ones that that Ortlieb made for bike packing. They've uh-huh. got their bike packing line of stuff, and so it's got two sets of their bike packing panniers. They're empty right now, but I can put whatever you know. Obviously, put whatever I want in them. So nice. So, you know, a puffy jacket with a hood, like a yep. synthetic one. I like, you know, there's the ghost whisperer and there's the Patagonia one. I, I like the Patagonia one myself. That's what I have. And I've had a few of them over the years. Um, just, you want something that you can stuff into that. I just stuff it in my frame bag pretty much every ride. Um, so when do you when do you break out the puffy jacket? Under what conditions do you say to yourself, "All right, I need to bust out the puffy jacket"? I'm going to stop and make some coffee, or stop and uh, put air in my tire. Um, I just, just recently, I've been fighting a leaky front uh, tubeless setup, and it was the valve. So every time I would add air, I would wangle that valve and it would have to reseal and I would lose air. So, hmm. um, so anyway, yeah. During those times when you're not on the bike propelling it forward. And sometimes if you underestimate your, uh, your clothing, which hopefully you won't do in, uh, for the race, 
uh, you get out on onto a lake and all of a sudden you're out in the wind and it's like, oh, crap, I'm cold. Put that puffy jacket mm-hmm. on and you just ride in the puffy jacket with it over everything else. So. Okay. It's like you're, that's, that's your fallback for I'm cold. That's going to keep you warm, even while you're moving. It it really does a good job. So. Um, it holds the heat in. Yep. And uh, so you're going to have extra gloves. You're going to have extra socks, maybe mm-hmm. an extra top base layer, like your wool base layer. Because if you have to stop for a while, it may sound crazy, but stripping that all off and getting that wet base layer on and putting a dry one on and then putting all the same layers on top of that is going to make you feel freshly warm. <laughs> Cold at first, but yep. then, you know, it's, you're going you're gonna to recover and be like, oh, that feels great until you sweat it up again. And then, you know, what do you do with that wet layer? Stuff it in one of your right. bags, I guess. Throw it in a bag. <laughs> you could freeze yep. it if it's really windy. You could freeze it into a sail. <laughs> so food, you know what you like to eat on rides. So if it's if it's any kind of if it's any kind of bar, you're gonna have to put it in your vest or put it in your jersey pockets or or in your you know yeah, you can keep, keep warm. you can keep your second layer into your into your pogies, um, but. You know, the stuff that you want to eat, especially if it's bars. I, I like those RX bars, um, but everybody's got something that, you know, they like to have. I'm a fan of pro bars yeah. myself. I mean, again, I'm, I'm just drawing from some of my hunting knowledge, right? I'm always looking for the highest density calorie thing that I can find. The and RX bars and are four pretty hours, good. Four hours. So that's, you know, you're yeah. going to eat before and then you need three bars, you know, a bar and a yep. hour, kind of. Yeah, and I've been, uh, I, I, uh, since I moved to Boise, I found a sports medicine doctor who's been helping me train just because I'm kind of an, I don't know, I'm not an old guy, but you start to get into your mid-40s, and it's not the same as when you used to go for a four-hour ride in your mid-20s. So I've been consulting with a sports medicine guy, and he has a, a emphasis in nutrition. So we've uh-huh. been talking back and forth about what I should be eating and how many calories before and during and after and protein ratios and stuff like that. So it's a pretty interesting topic to discuss with somebody who knows what they're actually talking about. Huh. Yeah. Nice. So you got the food covered. How, how are you going to carry yep. water and keep it from freezing? You got some insulated bottles, man. That's a good question. So I do have an insulated bottle. Um, and clearly I don't think that's going to be enough. Yeah. Um, I, I bought an insulated camelback, although I'm not mm. super, I don't know if I want to wear a camelback. I've, yeah. Camelback, man, they, they make systems that, that heat that tube and you can keep the tube inside your jacket. But far, I've been on a lot of rides where dudes are like, Oh crap. My camelback is frozen. It's like, mm. yeah. You know, and you, I mean, this one, this one is insulated and I, I don't think there's any sort of other heating mechanism other than passive insulation to keep it freezing there's aftermarket Um, systems i i carry two 32 ounce vacuum if they're clean canteen water bottles you know insulated um and that does the trick for me sometimes one's filled with coffee and one fills with water um are you going to bring and how much how much 
do you think you're going to drink in in that amount of time? And are are there any aid stations where you can get water, et cetera? Great point, right? So at at the on on the course at the fifteen uh, k mark, mm-hmm. there is a support station. And then what's unique about this particular course, it's not unique, right? But whatever, the way that the course is laid out at that 15 K point, you start a 10 K loop. And so that sort of completes your 40 K, right? Get it. Mm -hmm. So you go 15 K out, 10 K loop, 15 K back. So that 15 K aid station is actually a two stops or the same stop twice. And then there's also an aid station on that um, 10 K loop. that's in the middle of the race because that's kind of a, you look at the elevation change like that is a grind of a 10 K. So they put an aid station there as well. Hmm. Yeah, so there yeah. is an aid station and, and, and at 15 K that's what, uh, nine miles So nine miles and you have an aid station. So right at the 90 minute mark. So you could get probably, it sounds like two water bottles to me. If you can refill right. it at all those places. Yep. So agreed. So there you go. Agreed. You gotta probably yep. get another insulated water bottle. Exactly. Yep. Get another insulated water bottle. The they also make the uh, bike. Like the bike itself is capable of carrying way more water than I'm going to need on this particular yeah, uh, yeah, ride for sure. Um, but, they also make uh, yeah. They make like Barmits makes an insulated sleeve for standard water bottles that if you put a chemical toe warmer in there. You've got a way to carry water as well. So just a oh, thought cool. uh, of another way to go. Toe, about war- it. toe warmers is an, is an interesting suggestion as well, because if, if the temperatures are really as cold as they could be, first of all, I'm not even sure if they would, what they would do with the ride. Are you, I don't know what the expectation is of a bunch of people to actually ride. If it's say negative, 15 outside, which it has hit negative 15 a few of the morning things in stands recently. Yeah, they would, but, run, they would run the arrowhead or the ITI in those temperatures. So I, right? I would think that, no? that unless, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think minus that they, 15, they would run it. So. Yeah, minus 15, I start to think about those chemical hand warmers. Again, drawing from my hunting experience, there are times when I would maybe put one each in a glove or yeah, uh, we didn't talk tri- about tri- it. I've, I feel like I'm soft because I buy them at a, I buy them like a dozen at a time. Really? <laughs> yeah. If it, if it's going to be below 20, I'll put one in, in each boot. That, yeah, I use oh, really? the boot ones. Yeah. Yep. I have a, I forget where I learned this and it was probably again from a hunting buddy of mine, but what he does is he ends up taking the boot ones that they have the sticky side uh-huh. and he'll end up sticking them, uh, but not on his skin, obviously, because you could get burns, but mm-hmm. it went over the top of his base layer on the femoral artery halfway down your leg. Oh, really? And so it's, wow. yeah. And so what it does is it ends up heating the, the blood the that's blood. going down the femoral artery. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, that blood's getting warmed as it heads into your feet. So that's, I've, I've used that a couple of times in super cold. Like when, if I'm hunting in, you know, zero or below, I'll take those, those foot ones and I'll tape them essentially to my femoral artery and it'll warm the blood as it heads down to the extremity. Well, there you go. So yeah. So if it's that cold, I'm definitely going to use that trick. And putting 
some hand ones inside of your pogies. Also, Mm -hmm. when you start to get into those single digits to negatives, you know, that's, that's also, and those things will generate heat for more than four hours at a time. So you just, you know, you got to take them out, shake them, let them hit, put them in the heat register in your car. And when they start to, when they start to blow up like balloons, you know, that's activated. And then you put them in your boots and. I buy them a dozen at a time. <laughs> so, because yeah, know, I've got, I'm uh, riding almost got some of my day. truck. So, well, the current, you know, we're still a week out or a little bit over a week out. And I'm looking at the weather forecast for Stanley. And on Saturday the 19th, it says the low is going to be 12. So, if it, if it holds at 12, that's not too bad. I feel like. Uh, and what's uh, the high going to be? 36, which Ooh. is. 36 is warm for me. Yeah. I think Yeah, 36 want, is like you're going to shed that. layers halfway through. You want to be off of that course before it's 35. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. You know, when, it, when it starts to get mushy, that's. Yep. And the, most of the course is on the south side of the slope. So mm-hmm. it will be getting sun most of the day. They probably, start, 10, they probably start you bright and early though. So 9 a.m. to 9 a.m. start time. I, I, I think they're doing it at nine to specifically avoid being in the, the coldest temperature of the day. Yeah. If the, if the, if the forecast changes to something cooler, yeah, they're not going to want to start folks when it's dark, but it should be fun. Well, cool. But yeah. I, 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 uh, I, I feel like after, you know, getting some of this uh, new goreware stuff that I'm pretty prepared, you know, you talked about bibs and stuff. I don't have any bibs, but I have, you know, my base layer for my legs, Again, uh, I think I have some gore running wear types that seem to that have served me pretty well mm-hmm. um, recently. And if it's really cold, I also have like again drawing from my hunting gear. I have a pair of uh, wool blend, uh, you know, thermals, the old school. They're not the old school kind because it's new material, but it's the same idea, right? It's the the wool thermals. If I need to double up on those layers, and yeah, then, and uh, I like to wear wearing, like two hundred weight merino wool on on the top as my base yeah. layer and then some sort of pretty beefy merino wool jersey maybe with a yep. hood you know depending on how it yep. all hooks up how you like to keep your headwear i i like that whole hood connected underneath the helmet keeps everything airtight so mm-hmm. Yep. I, and then on top, and then on top, I actually have a pair of Arc'teryx. They're, I think they're, they're actually ski bibs. Uh-huh. But from a waterproof perspective, although that's not super important given the fact that everything's going to be frozen. Um, yeah, they work pretty well. They've got, uh, like integrated, um, gaiters mm-hmm. that grip onto the boots. So nothing gets in your boots and they're pretty lightweight. And they're pretty breathable. Once you get going, they're pretty breathable because our Carex uses that uh, the Gore Pro, Gore- Gore-Tex Pro laminate type material. Mm-hmm. And then, what kind of boots are you breathable. running? They're Merrells, and the unfortunate part is I don't think they make them anymore. And I've been a fan of Merrells for a long time, just because they fit my feet, not for any other particular reason that you know Merrell makes 
so much better shoes than anybody else. Just they fit my particular feet. And, uh, but they are some winter boots that I bought from them last year that are 400 grams and they're nine, nine inches tall, nine or 10 inches tall. I forget, but, um, they've, I, I've had them in down. Like I said, I think I've had them as cold as 14 degrees in Flagstaff with some, some of the heaviest duty smart wool socks mm-hmm. and like a, a wool liner. I found that the, if you put on like a, a polyester, like wool blend as a liner sock that helps draw the sweat away from your feet a little bit more yep. than oh, if you just run in straight wool. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, if I, if I could find the boots, um, on the Merrill website, I'd reference them, but, uh, Yeah. Yeah, I've worn been, barrels been, for years, and now I, I think I'm wearing the last couple of pairs have been North Face shoes that I've been wearing. Um, I'm testing a pair of over boots that I think today the the review comes out that are just super warm. It's the warmest thing I've ever worn. For that, again, the, if it gets super cold, like single digits and below zero, yeah, I could wear my just trail running shoes inside of these over boots that are insulated that have a gator that go all the way up to just below the knee. Um, so check out the site. You can see it. It's Neo's navigators are the names of those boots. So, so a week out, you're going to go to flag and, and do some training and then, uh, up to Stanley jet up to Stanley and, uh, and do this ride. So we wish you luck. Yep. Here you go. Yeah, man, I'm going to go, I got, I got some business back in Flagstaff for a couple of days. I've already contacted a friend of mine who's leaving his 27 plus bike because there's no snow on flag. So I'm going to ride his 27 plus bike and rip a few laps on some old familiar trails and come back up and give it a go. Well, all right. Well, maybe we'll have you back and we'll talk about a post ride, how it all worked out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to hope to get some good photographs at the start line and throughout the race, and uh, it, should, it should be fun. I'm, I'm expecting it to be a ton of fun. To, for those who haven't looked it up, you know, stanleywinterfest.com, they've got a bunch of stuff going on um, the whole weekend, um, including outhouse races and sledding on river rafts and the fat bike condo and live music, and it should just be up. Outside of just having a ton of fun on the bike, it should be a ton of fun just to go out and hang out in Stanley for the weekend. Awesome. Man, now I want to go. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't. But I'll put that uh, link in the show notes. Uh, Thanks for being a guest on the Danger Gnome. And uh, good luck. We'll talk to you afterwards. Yeah, thanks, Gomez. All right, thanks. Take care. You too. Danger Gnome! Next up on the Danger Gnome, it's like the Danger Gnome part of the Danger Gnome with an explanation of the Portland Design Works mud shovels, fat bike fenders with Eric Olson from PDW. So, hey, it's the Danger Gnome podcast, and uh, we are in a whole new segment now. We switched gears in a variety show. This kind of started as a segment uh, for the Ask the Bicycle Doctor, but we've turned it into this variety of Danger Gnome so a customer at the shop, he asked me what fenders I recommend. And I run the OG pair of PW mud shovels. They're the ones with uh, Dave Gray's signature on them. And for those of you who 
do not know, Dave Gray developed this early Pugsley for QBP. Uh, so our next guest on the show is here to tell us the story behind how his autograph got on those mud flaps, and who better to tell the story than the general manager of Portland Design Works, Senor Eric Olson. Welcome to the Danger Zone, or Danger Gnome podcast, hombre. <laughs> I like that. I love being welcome to the danger zone. Too, though. Real, uh, I know. It's kind of... <laughs> I wish I was uh, flying an F-14. But, uh, top gun nerds out there are going to be like, it was an F-15 or something. But, Flipping uh, off those yeah. communists, whoever they were, whoever they are. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down with logging always. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. No nice problem. Take a break from, from work. Right on. Not not really work. Right, right. We're in the fun business, especially, man, you guys mm-hmm. seem to really get a, uh, you have uh, some sort of fun generator out there. But, uh, so, we're here to talk about the mud shovels. Um, somebody asked me what I've run, and I've always run these and really like them. And I've always wondered why they... Uh, they had Dave Gray's signature on there. And I've heard a little little rumorish kind of stuff that went around. <laughs> I've never heard the real story. So uh, oh. uh, yeah. So tell, never... us, tell us the story of the the mud shovels and Dave. Sure. I want to know what the rumors are that are going around. <laughs> I'm I'm totally I'm unplugged from the rumor mill. Well, this is what I heard, is that he designed them and pitched them to Q, and they were like, nah, that's not going to work. And then it came to, he shopped it around, and you guys said yes, and it was done. So, uh Maybe there was uh, uh, Nick involved, too, that... That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the truth, but there's, like, grains of truth in there, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So we, uh, I think how it all got started was in, um, I think it was at the Frostbike trade show, which is a trade show quality bicycle products does every year. Sure. Uh, they own Surly. So obviously Dave Gray was there. Um, all the usual clowns. I think that was in, uh, February of 2012 and our sales manager, I assume, was lighting things on fire and drinking tequila with the Surly guys. And they got to talking about how all the fenders at that point were just kind of people doing DIY stuff, mm-hmm. like grabbing pieces of plastic and, um, or, you know, there's some folks out there doing like custom where it'd be like $300 for a set of fat bike fenders kind of thing. And so he came back from the kitchen. And he's like, dude, we gotta like, we gotta make some fat bike fenders. Um, and I was, I was a little skeptical because you, you kind of like never know how big the market for things are. And if you're going to invest in like injection molding and all this stuff, it's like a real, a real risk. Um, but I was like, Oh, I think we can do this. I think we can do this on the platform that our origami fenders are already on. So mm-hmm. sort of the, like a similar bracket, just a, just a little beefier. And then obviously a much larger fender. Uh, so we started working up prototypes on that. Um, and we talked to Dave Gray and he said he'd be willing to, to test the fenders out, like get early samples. So he went out and was like cruising around in the woods and giving us feedback and all this stuff. And so we made some modifications to um, <clears throat> the bracket and the shape of the fender and all of that. And, uh, and then we kind of got to thinking like he's, 
he's kind of one of the founding fathers of fat biking. Certainly, like, the Pugsley um, popularized it, made it attainable for normal people to have a, a fat bike. Um, Especially at that time. So, you know, that, yeah. that, that oh, complete totally. bike was... was That was uh, the deal. You could just right. buy it. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. the, the deal maker right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, so we were like, we gotta, of my like, friends bought them. <laughs> yeah. So we are like, yeah, we got to get, like, let's give a nod to Dave Gray and, like, put a signature on there. So we asked him. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm down. I'm like, why not? Um, yeah. So, so that's basically how it happened. That's pretty was, cool. Um, so, so it's more like a John Tomac kind of signature than, see, I had always thought, oh, well, Dave is an industrial designer and design the Pugsley. Well, maybe he designed this. Um, so that's kind of cool. He probably would have made something like way cooler than what we came up with, honestly. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, 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 like for real, like I think Shirley is really good about um, making like no compromise. Like when they do something, I think that's why they don't do a lot of, of like accessories and like very few components because like when they do something, they're going to do it like um, it's going to be bomber uh, no compromises. And it's usually going to be, I mean, some of the stuff that they've, they've gotten into in that arena, I think are like not as popular like outside of the frames and bikes, just because like it ends up being expensive. Cause it's like, it's really nice and yeah. it works really well. And but so it, a, just, a it brand, makes the market a little smaller. A brand born out of the singulator. So, and, and you know, a, absolutely the point of the spear on a, on a lot of bike developments over the last 20 years. Oh, for sure. Love those guys. So, what the uh, mud shovels are still made today, and I was looking at the the website today, and it's like six point fives. So my <laughs> my old Dave Gray signature models, they have to be one of the first earliest. Two thousand and twelve is when we started to uh, to review the fenders. So yeah, yeah. Uh, what's what are the new ones like? What's, what's, what's 6.5? What's, I want, I want, I want tiny in, in, you know, um, improvements. <laughs> so six, so that we basically made, we changed the shape we got. So, you know, I think, I think Dave maybe got into a little trouble with, uh, with QVP, um, having his name on a different brand's product. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was super serious or anything, but I think they were kind of like, Hey, you know, like maybe in the future, don't do this. So, we were like, all right, well, we'll, you know, take the heat off you a little bit here and stop putting your signature on here. Um, and at the time we wanted to, we wanted to improve them anyway. We've gone through like four different versions of the bracket because we just kind of, I don't know, you know what things are like, it's different in testing than when like tens of thousands of people are using something. Right. So you start to see like little things that could be improved. So <clears throat> it was a good, it was a good time for us to um, update the bracket and like change the shape and uh in design of the of the mud shovel a little bit so yeah the 6.5s are just even wider because as you know like uh tires how wide that bike tires were yeah they yeah. just they got bigger and bigger so um gotta keep up with the times yeah i love the way that that thing goes on and off so easily and that if i'm bushwhacking through hell all loaded and if you happen to smash that thing into a log it's just going to pop off those snaps just pop off and you may have to go back and get it but you know it's going to pop right back on there and it really is a good system because full fenders yeah. on a fat bike man that's a chore to get those things on and off and 
rattling, etc. All that. Yeah, it's a, I, I think it's a good a good happy medium for sure. Also, there's the classic like throw your leg over your bike and and kick your fender off kind of thing. So mm-hmm. instead of uh, instead of breaking, you've got that you've got that quick release feature, which is good. Uh, the the one thing I will say though, and I need to get this in here for our uh, our uh, customer service uh-huh. dude, Chris. Yeah. Do do not leave them on your bike if you put your bike on a roof rack oh, and yeah. drive on the highway <laughs> because they will want to fly off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just a PSA. Anyone out there who who puts their bike on a roof rack, drives on the highway, get those mud shovels off before you put it up there. We definitely get those calls and we try to help people out as much as we can. We like, well, we're out because everyone's out of everything these days, but usually we've got just like the spare, um, you know, fender part itself without the brackets. So that's like, you know, a a cheap thing to replace. But um, right now I don't think we have them because we don't have anything. No one has anything. There's, it's somewhere in the future. Come on, be hopeful. Yeah, yeah, we'll get them back. We'll get, we'll get them back at some point. But uh, so, in the meantime, dude, where, where's your favorite place to go ride a fatty in in Oregon? Uh, so I right now I, I my fat bike is my only sort of mountain bike. Uh-huh. So I I ride it all over. Um, even on trails, that would be so much more fun on a, on like a full suspension rig where you're descending for miles. Right, right. Uh, but, uh, I will say for me, it's, it's the beach, like trying to go like waiting for low tide and then just going as far as you can along the coast, uh, and kind of seeing like, I don't know, there's no people basically once you get a mile out from right. any beach that you can park at. Uh, and yeah, just feeling the Zen of those waves and, uh, just seeing the random like right. wildlife eagles and stuff. It's, it's, it's the best man. You just got to take care of your drive train after that though. Cause seawater, uh, and chains and stuff is yeah. not a good, a good mixture. So you definitely have to blast all that stuff off and put a ton of lube on it or you're going to, you're going to be hating it. Right on. Yeah. We're blessed with freshwater, the inland great lakes here, but I'm, I'm sure you know where if 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 I want to go to Oregon and I want to go ride the beach where there's giant obelisks standing in uh, in the surf area and I can ride along. Where is that? It's everywhere. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> Literally, just go to the coast and you you will be at that. That's the whole coast. I would say it like <clears throat> so you have those big haystack rocks and stuff mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. directly west of Portland, but like go south from there and honestly it gets even more rugged and beautiful and amazing. Like the farther south you go, like all the way down to, to like Brookings on the border of California. It's just, yeah, you can't go wrong. And then obviously there's like dunes and stuff, certain places you can go do that whole thing and like rip down steep dunes or like foolishly huck off them and crash. Like it's, um, it's, it's pretty cool. The coast is very cool. That is awesome. It's not like, it's not the sunny California coast. Like, don't expect to go swimming uh, unless you're in a wetsuit. But uh, for fat biking, it's it's rad. Sweet. So, are you always every time that you're out riding your fat bike? Are you always testing new PDW gear on your bike adventures? Yeah, pretty pretty much all my bikes are are kitted out with PDW gear. Yeah. Um, 
So, Probably the most the most testing I do is on my commute. I'd say because that's like the most consistent riding I do. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, of course, got to be testing that gear. So, is it anything in development you want to tell us about, or uh, or maybe you can share with us the stuff that you use every day that is available now? Um. So we have a ton of stuff in development, but nothing's. I feel like these days I can't even, I can't really talk about it until it's in our warehouse because I'll talk about something that it's, it'll even be like on a ship or something. And then it's six months out when I thought it was three weeks out. Uh, but you know, keep an eye on, uh, on the website. We'll definitely announce stuff as it lands. Good as stuff. As stuff though, <laughs> the, like the most simple product, uh, the hot take it's called. Oh yeah. yeah I, I use, that. I have that on, Every single one of my bikes, uh, I love that thing. Like, love it for coffee, love it for slipping a beer into uh, on the ride home. It's just like, I don't know. It's a simple thing that gets the beverages right up there in your cockpit. It's awesome. Yeah, I use that style bag on all my fat bikes. So, yeah. yeah love they're that. the best. Well, cool. So, yeah, I know we talked a little bit about development, but are you guys going to Sea Otter? Oh, no, I just, you're cutting out. Hold on. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, you're back. You're back. There I am. So right. is it too early to talk about sea otter? Sea otter? Um, well, we were going to go to sea otter in 2020. <laughs> the last time last time we were going to sea otter. Uh, we have a skip it this last fall. We're not going to be there this spring, mostly for selfish uh, reasons we're, we're like super small most people don't know this we're like four or five people at sure. EDW yeah. so insanely small um, so everyone kind of has to do everything and what I want to do more than go to Sea Otter this April is to go to the Frozen Four Hockey Tournament in Boston because I haven't done things in the past couple of years uh-huh. and my, my, my dad's going to meet me out there my brother's going to be kind of a a family reunion, watching hockey, drinking cool. beers, kind of thing. So, yeah, if anyone anyone out there uh, from Boston has any recommendations on like getting hooked up with a uh, with a bike rental and, and uh, places to cruise around, hit me up. Let me know. Right on, right on. Well, that's that's cool. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, theater's awesome, uh, but uh, yeah, just just need to take some time this spring. Um, we'll probably like virtually announce some things. We should actually have a few new cool products at that point. Um, you know, fingers crossed, toes crossed that things don't get delayed even more. Yeah. Things are so uncertain now. It's like hard to, to be in a product development mode. It's like, hurry up and wait and wait and wait. But, uh, yeah, yeah. we keep pushing now. We're always pushing. Did you, are you a hockey fan or did you play hockey or is your, is are you a family of hockey players that always fight with each other? <laughs> All of the above. Um, we, no, I'm a, so I, I, I grew up in Minnesota, so like oh, everyone, yeah. you know, everyone played hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah. I'm like short biography, uh, grew up in Minnesota, went to college at, uh, Madison in Wisconsin. Oh, we yeah. Yeah. I live right by there. Like tuition deal. Um, yeah, and and uh, moved to Portland to start at Portland Design Works. So definitely have those Midwest roots. Maybe that's why I've got I'm into the and like in my blood somehow. Well, it it could be. Well, 
I appreciate you coming on and filling us in on the origins of the mud shovel. I, 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 yeah. I, too, I had it all blown up big in my you, mind. It would have <laughs> been, been cooler if, if um, yeah, there was some, a lot of intrigue behind it. Maybe we can redo this and I'll, I'll make up some fantastic <laughs> story. Make up involving a, uh, industrial espionage, espionage and such. A meeting in Prague, indeed. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks Ooh, for being on the show. We really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is all mine. Uh, have a good rest of your week here. Will do. Going for a ride. See ya. Bye, man. Cheers. Have fun. All right, bye. It's Danger Dome After Hours. Coming up, inspired by the Black Ribbon Radio Hour, Travis and I talk about all sorts of things. That's next. So here we are on a, uh, it's a Tuesday night here in late January. And I'm on the phone with uh, our fat ambassador to Alaska and the Yukon Territories, Travis T-Bone Hubbard. Welcome to the uh, quasi-fake radio program, amigo. Ah, thank you. Thank you, Gomez. Always a pleasure. So, you, my friend, are the proud new owner of a Corvus Cycles Akio. Yes, it? I am. I have, it's kind of the same bike that I ride, but it's just badged a little different. Or at least it's maybe like the next generation of my bike. Because I think that your bike is routed for internal dropper post, and mine, mine is not. That'd be one of the only differences. That... Yeah, and I think they, and they changed the fork a little bit. <clears throat> I think that's oh, yeah, about... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because I was just noticing that because my Corvus Akios that's currently laid right up next to Lori's Fatback Corvus. <laughs> right up. Yeah. Uh, so between the three, between us, we have like all of the iterations of the Corvus Carbon ITI bike. Yeah. Well, yours is uh, the FLT, right? Yeah, I have an FLT. Yeah. So the mid-generation, so that what came out Corvus, and then Corvus FLT, and now Corvus Cycles Akio. So you've been riding it for a while, and you guys have snow, and uh, so tell us what it, tell us all about it, man. Man, I love this bike. It is uh, two words that immediately always pop my mind when I'm riding this thing and actually thinking about it because generally I don't have to think about it. It just does its magic, you know? Mm-hmm. Comfortable and stable. Nice. Um, yep, and I'd add to that, you know, it's uh, light. Um, and that's, uh, you know, always beneficial as well. But... Uh, just the comfort and stability today. I was out, uh, riding, uh, snowpack that was soft and had been boot stomped and then three inches of wet glue poured over top of that. Sounds well, I'll be positive and say it sounds challenging. <laughs> It was, and uh, but yeah, you know, I, uh, once I actually 
got on where, you know, the path, because you kind of couldn't see it with our warm-up this weekend. We lost a lot of snow. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I was able to ride. I broke trail on a, I don't know, that section was probably, you know, uh, just about a mile, but kind of around this big dog park near our new house. And uh, nobody had really been in there except a couple of boot stompers. And, and uh, yeah, I was amazed at just how I really didn't have a problem with it. Like I was, you know, probably down at about four PSI. And, uh, yeah, you know, I've other bikes, I, I know I would have crashed more. <laughs> nice. And what, a couple times so do you have, are you running 26 inch wheels or 27.5 wheels on the 26? Okay. 20. I went with, okay. And what yep. tires, what tires are you running for, uh, for this, for January in uh, in Anchorage? The Dillinger fives are uh, are currently on there. So studded or no studs? You know, yep, studs? yep. Studded Dilly fives, and yeah. that's typically um, what I generally run. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the winter for South Central where we're at. Yeah, it's a solid tire. Yeah, Most we fast. always you know you never know when we're going to get the warm up, and you know the next one day you're riding on beautiful awesome trails and the next thing you know you're on a sheet ice yeah, yeah so yeah. yeah yeah in fact that uh uh picket post i put up last week that you reposted on on uh on the insta mm-hmm. when um yeah i was hot i'm getting out that day because i knew the warm-up was coming and i definitely didn't want to be out you know train wrecking the trails once it got up above freezing sure so hopefully not too many people did that but that's a you know that's uh for our it's only area it's only snow man <laughs> yeah <laughs> they yep, make yep. they make more so speaking mm-hmm. of the instagram bro bra dude the, the, like we must like all the same stuff but i see you've liked it's like do you get do you get a screen report? How much time do you spend on Instagram? And how, like fans of 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 uh, the Danger Gnome, we we want to uh, get the Fat Bassador here to do a takeover of our Instagram. What do you think? I'm on it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all so, over that. So yeah, we got to get you, uh, you know, the regram program and uh, get you a login and maybe uh, like February. Yeah, February would be good, or maybe uh, March and maybe towards the end of March. Oh yeah, because the light really gets good. Oh yeah, and and ITI too, dude, and the lights. Uh, yeah, stuff. the magical month of March, right? Yeah. Like I told you when you were here, I just wish it could always be March. All I right. could live. Well, then let's just do it in March. in March. Starting March 1st. And Instagram don't forget the Tall Keaton the, the Trio. World and I'm already. Yeah. Ah, the original, true Fat Bike World Championship. What a legit original intrudes the Alaskan. <laughs> None of them are original or true. <laughs> They're all kind of tongue, tongue. You got to, you know, tongue in cheek. Come on, world championship. Right. 
Because uh, until yeah, you bring the people from Singapore and Tahiti. Well, you know, I'm surprised that the whole, you know, single speed crowd doesn't come crash the trio because it really is, you know, the world's fat bike and drinking world championships, right? Oh, yeah, man. The, the party out there. Uh, Shangri-La. Shangri-La is, is full, <laughs> full, full blast. And, yeah. oh, man, that what I was thinking about that today that uh, I will never forget that that race. <laughs> you know, now, yeah, the, that weekend we got nuked on, man. We had so stacks of snow. Yeah, that that yeah. race, that ride, that morning, those pancakes, those huge snowflakes coming down in just wow. Never, you know, never seen it snow like that before. That I was like, yeah, holy crap. It's a beautiful just... place to be, and, and we've already got our cabin rented. I haven't entered the race yet, but I will. Nice. Yeah, it's a sweet race. It's a very nice course. Super, super fun. Yeah, you know you know me. I'm more of the uh, fun ride. It's all about getting out in the woods that day, hitting Shangri-La, yeah. seeing yeah. some people, you know. Yeah, certainly not... Uh, uh, looking to challenge the Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, my goal was my goal was just to survive the one lap. <laughs> exactly, that's it. Survive the one lap. And you you had given me the, all the Shangri-La. intel that I needed. It was like uh, when you get to Shangri La, that last part. Don't forget, it gets hilly in the end there. So yeah. yeah. You still got nine miles to go. You're staring at a keg and bottles of whiskey, but you still got nine miles to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And today I was thinking about it because I was riding in like four or five inches of fluffy snow over boot stomped and dog walked and deer passed and you know all all the things that. I mean, I know I had ridden there, and it was ridden in and stomped in five or six or two or three patches of little bits of snow that total almost six inches, probably. So, but were you know, you, uh, were you rolling the Johnny Five? No, no, no. I'm just before we got this snow, we had deteriorated to the point where you needed studs to go fast on single track because um, right. you never knew when you were going to hit that. Uh, icy corner at our one trail kettle moraine so it's like well i put the studs on so and i'm running 26 inch wheels now uh i've got an 80 millimeter reynolds with a uh, i9 hydra hub with and i'm running the wrath lords 45 north wrath lords 26 by 4.2 300 Extra long concave studs, super aggressive tread. Only fifteen hundred grams of of a tire too. So like, that's not four, bad on weight. 2? What's that? Four point four point two. Four point two. So the rear is on an eighty, but I broke. My, I broke my like. I think this is the third or fourth i nine hub that has cracked. So. I need to have the matching 
wheel re uh, relaced to a new hub, and I haven't bought the mm-hmm. hub yet. But I have a hundred millimeter head rim with an Onyx racing fronts, and I put the four point two on that in the front, so it's kind of a mullet, extra fat up front, right? Super studly, and and uh, with this last six inches of snow, I I had those tires down to two point. 2.7 was uh, what it was in the rear. So I don't know what I had in the front. But because by the time that I aired up this morning, it was pretty damn flat. So <laughs> and it was so cold. It was, low. Yeah. It was so cold that my pump froze. So I ended up just blasting a 16 gram of CO2 into the front and the rear. And that's what I wrote on. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so that combination, whew. and I'll tell yeah, you right actually, now that those are the best studs I, on the market right there. I've heard some, a few different people have, uh, raved about the, the raft Lord. Yeah. I actually, uh, kind of jumped the wait list on my bike because I wanted 26 inch wheels. Oh, nice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. They were still waiting on 27 and a half inch rims. So Speedway hooked me up and said, no, you want 26 and we got it. And I was like, you know, yeah, you can run so many, so many different 27.5. And I'm like, I am positive. I don't want (laughs) 27.5 because I've already stuck with like a thousand dollars worth of 26 inch tires. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) And they still have a ton of life left on them. These Dilly fives I'm rolling. I bought these in 2014. Yeah, and if you only run them in yeah. the winter, man, you know. Right. Yeah, they just they hang. Yeah, last. Not like I'm. Yeah, like you're burning dirt or pavement, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or getting a big hole stuck in there from a big pointy stick, which yeah, which happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm proof of that. So. Well, all right. We're, we're and so in March, Instagram takeover, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do that in March. We'll kick that off. I'm trying to think. ITI they start the last weekend in February. I should probably know that, being that I'm your last. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like we have this huge plan. I was just like, hey, we should talk about the new bike. How the, you know what else is going on is, you know, Corvus has the tie bike, which I'm angling for that to be my next bike. I'm mm-hmm. you know, I'm 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 in negotiations. I have my I, I'm almost reaching for my wallet to pay for one of these things. <laughs> so uh in the meantime, Jeff Gilmore and uh Oh, name's going to escape me. Fairbanks, Gilmore. Right, right, right. And Is that Gold, Goldstream Sports, I think? Or? Uh-huh. Or Beaver Sports. I can't Beaver? remember <laughs> what shop he works um, for. Uh, and, and Jeff Oatley both have the, uh, the Thai Corvus Cycles. It's a Magnus, I think, is, is the name of it. Magnicus, Magnicus Copernicus. 
So, oh, that's a beautiful bike. Yep. Um, so he contacted me and is like, Hey, we got these bikes and we're going to, we're going to write a review and send it to you. Like, All right. Sounds like a plan. So those are two guys that know their way around. Uh, so we should just call this the instead of the danger show, it's like the the Fatback Corvus Cycles Fanboy Show. On <laughs> this Danger Gnome episode, <laughs> on this Danger Gnome episode, we're back to fanboying Fatback and Corvus Cycles, the coolest bikes ever made. Just kidding. Yeah, mine, mine came with the uh, the Sweet 16 bars. Yeah. And I'm kind of loving them, man. Uh, you I, know, I, I run those bars in the wintertime, but I switched to a more uh, mountain bikey, less swept back, uh, right. really freaking wide Ren bar in the summer that's 830 millimeters Big wide. Old, yeah. Big old 803. It's it's Texas wide. Mm-hmm. That is Texas wide. It's like a double wide. You know how sweet those are. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of like noticing uh, a little. That'd be a good strain name, double wide. Yeah, I got some double stuff here, but it's not double wide. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what else is going on? That you just had the. Uh, the frosty bottom and will ross won again that rascal right right yep he's he's uh over with trek trek store now and rolling on the track and uh yeah i thought he had a post up that uh was probably like as hard as frosty bottom and certainly wasn't because the temperatures right it was one of the nicest temperatures they've ever had for the frosty bottom i guess he took off and forgot his water bottle (laughs) oh dude yeah so you you had sent me the uh, news article and then said it was balmy a balmy frosty bottom (laughs) right (laughs) yep it's it's usually you know somewhere close to zero or below it for that thing but this year that was uh, the temps were good but yeah i guess Will didn't pick up a water bottle till he further on down the trail, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Gosh, have you been? Have you been in the truck store of Anchorage lately? You know, I haven't, and I've been meaning to go over there. I think they got uh, they got an art show coming up pretty soon. That uh, should go uh, over there and check out those colored studs. Yeah, yeah, I saw. I, I did see those. It's a crazy product. You got to just read the label. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> so we have a guy down there in the uh, the Fort of Rock, down down river about forty miles from here, who's testing uh, those colored studs out. Bill, shout out to Bill Fleming. How's it going, eh? What's up, Bill? Yeah, I haven't let this thing in there. They're, they actually had, uh, they had, I, got, I think it's coming up here pretty soon, man. They're having a cool art show that's... Uh, nice. Um, yeah. Got some, uh, and you know, a few fat bike related art pieces that I'm interested in. 
I got this cool new product that that is uh, it's inflation and sealant all in one package. It's called Goop. It's G U with the umlaut P. Goop. Uh, quick. So, and it's a uh, it's the size of one of these mega CO twos, but it is foam. It has foaming. Uh, sealant in there so you can use it in a tube you can use it in tubeless you can use it in tubular and it has enough co2 i in, i inflated a, a flat four inch 27.5 fat bike tire and it gave me enough air to get out of you know to get back to the car it was about five psi so uh really yeah it i think we're going to be selling these at the shop it, it Friggin' works. And it goes, you don't have to remove the valve core. And it sealed up, uh, it sealed up a fat bike tire that had one of those newfangled uh, poly tubes in it that had a puncture and wasn't holding air. And it inflated it up and it has held its seal for, uh, for over a week. So, how about that? Right on. <clears throat> So yeah, you'll see that um, coming up on the site. We got some new stuff coming up that we're testing. You, you saw the uh, Yippie Kaye, uh, a couple of the. Uh, have you seen any of those tires? Because there's a couple of sets up there. Clinton, I did, Clinton has a I did couple. See has some a pair. Red. Is Clinton on those? Yep, and David Ortega, I think, has a set or had. Yeah, set, that's huh? kind of a. Is that a? Uh, terrain fatback kind of combo thing there with that tire. Yeah, Corvus cycles and uh, terrain tires kind of work together to make that Goldilocks size tire. Yeah, yeah, I read your review on I'm it. Surpri- I'm surprised you're not riding that because you know you're on the cutting edge of what's going on there. Uh, yeah, well, obviously, you can tell by the names of the guys that got them <laughs> where I went. <laughs> Not Team Corvus. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure they'll be available soon. Uh, and, uh, yeah, definitely they're supposed need to, to be coming in. in in late January. It's January really? 25th, so they'll probably hit your store shelves. And I would think that Speedway would get them right away, you know, would be one of the first people oh dude stink bug oh stink bug do you guys have stink bugs no to come to my desk to die i am the grim reaper of the stink bugs the brown common stink bug yep welcome to the killing jar (laughs) yeah No. That was my demonic. Yeah. That was my demonic laughing. <laughs> we got we got stink bud, but no stink bug. Oh man! <laughs> oh, we got stink bugs. They they when you have no, them. it's a beautiful time right now in Alaska. Most all insects are dead. <laughs> oh, sleep, I, I, sleeping, or, you know, larvae or sleeping or whatever it is they're doing. Uh, yeah, found a few spiders in the house. That's exciting, you know. That's my wintertime extent of uh, uh, insect exposure. Yeah, well, 
You just have crazy bugs that like to come inside and hibernate. Then when you turn the heat on, they wake up. (laughs) It's like, oh, hey, is it spring? No, time to die. I am so glad mosquitoes don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, true that. That would suck, mosquitoes. Yeah, that that would truly suck. Hey, I I did do a little peruse on the IETI roster for this year. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, um, your fat ambassador to Alaska and the Yukon Territory, even though I've only been to the Yukon Territory a couple times. Uh, <laughs> but uh, a couple a couple uh, names there that were interesting to see. John Lackey's coming back. Oh, nice. And he's the record holder, right, on that one super – Bone dry year where he was faster than all the dogs in the grass. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim Burson's coming back. Oh, nice. Yep, yep. Clinton's in there. Um, yeah, there's, it's, uh, it's going to be a real interesting race this year. Well, I'm going to plan to be there for the start. Oh, nice. Yeah, maybe that, that day will be the day because I think it's last weekend in February when ITI kicks off. So maybe we'll start the Instagram takeover that weekend. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. You heard it here first on the Danger Dome podcast. <laughs> I said that really like through my nose. Danger Dome <laughs> podcast. So, dude, I'm going to turn off the recording machine, but don't go away. After this, we'll have somebody else. Um, it might be some of our friends talking about some of our other friends, ABBA and bicycles and stuff. Check us out on Instagram. So, um, stand by. Hold on. Come on, we're still best mate. The fire department has moved few scan names.